Welcome back to this week's episode of the Seatown Podcast, where Seattle business owners, entrepreneurs, and community leaders are invited on to share their stories with us. I'm your host, Christian Harris. As the owner of an indie real estate brokerage here in Seattle, I'm naturally interested in various communities around Seattle and what makes each of them so unique and distinct. And local businesses and organizations play a large part in shaping the flavor and character of the neighborhoods that we love so much. So join me as we talk with these fascinating people and explore their stories of why they started their businesses, run their nonprofits, or otherwise are making an impact in the Seattle area. Today I'm joined by Tracy Record, the, uh, one of the co-owners of the West Seattle blog. Uh, thank you for joining me today. I know you uh, you were very busy. <laughs> um, you know, as everyone who calls West Seattle home, uh, they know the West Seattle blogs. You know where they go for the, the the latest information, what's going on in the area. You know what's what's new, what's happening. Um, so it's kind of fun to hopefully turn the tables a little and hear a little bit about your backstory and how you got into this and um, be able to hopefully tell the rest of West Seattle you know, where uh, where you guys got the idea and where it came from. Yeah, well, it, we didn't actually get the idea. The idea kind of evolved. Sometimes we say that we were drafted into it. Um, I started the site as a personal thing in December of 2005. Okay. At the time, there was no place to talk about West Seattle online. There had apparently been some forums a few years earlier somewhere and so forth. And I just, we'd lived here 15 years by then, and I wanted sure. to just kind of ramble on. I started to observe things. I was, I'd been in the media myself for, for many years. I was still working in TV then. And so I looked around, I found the address westseattleblog.com, and I thought, okay, well, this might be a little audacious, but maybe I'll just start a little site. And, sure. and uh, so I started posting things every couple days or so, something I saw, I would be out on a walk with my son, who was then about 10 years old, mm-hmm. um, and you know, little news tidbits pointing at the time to whoever was reporting them. Sure. Um, and then what happened, we I always say the turning point was the famous um, December 2006 windstorm. And the uh, West Seattle had thousands of people without power, but for the mainstream media, other areas of the region were getting more attention because they were even worse off. As bad as it was here after the windstorm, Bellevue had a million people without power. There were people dying in Burien from carbon monoxide poisoning. They brought barbecues inside to keep warm. Um, So there were, so it was understandable, but people were writing to us by that time. They, we had a few hundred maybe regular readers. They'd say, you seem like people that might know something about what's going on. Do you know anything about when we're gonna get the power back? Mm -hmm. Our power ourselves was out for like four days. Um, And from there, we just sort of started covering news. And then a year later, um, we decided to make a go of it as a business. Again, I've been a, a journalist for decades. Sure. Um, I was working in TV news. Um, my husband has a journalism background and also an advertising background. Okay. And people had asked us um, if we would even consider running ads because they started to see the value that the site brought to the, the area and thought maybe we could at least you know make some sort of money off it. And we just sort of decided to take a leap um, entrepreneurially and yeah. turn it into an actual publication. So that was... December of 2007, I quit my TV job and we started doing it full time. So this year we're celebrating our 10th year, which is pretty amazing. So before then, you were both working other jobs, just kind of doing this on the side for fun before you before 2007. Um, what I was doing was I'd been a manager and a producer in TV news for more than 20 years before then, going back to 1984. And so um, during the sort of 
transitional year plus of the site, um, almost two years really, um, I would just, you know, post to it in the morning or in the evening, um, stuff that, you know, was absolutely unrelated to my, my work. Even when we were covering the, uh, the famous power outage, um, I was on a, a week long vacation from my TV job once the storm had calmed down. Um, and so we were gathering information fully independently, just literally by, by, um, driving around. Sure. Um, Patrick has, uh, worked in radio news, um, advertising, um, various forms of sales and things. And uh, he also um, has a, a journalism degree from the University of Colorado. So we both have kind of complementary backgrounds. Currently, he's chief photographer, runs the business aspect of the site. Um, I am the, the full-time editor and uh, chief reporter and so forth. And that's always where my strength has been in actual news gathering and processing. Sure. So uh, from the get-go, were you guys primarily the ones producing all the content and, and, and whatnot. I mean, now you obviously get updates from people, you know, writing in or emailing in stories. Well, it's, it's sort of what it's, it's, it's a sort of two things. People don't, we don't actually have people, aside from a few freelancers, we don't ask people to, you know, do full journalism work and just do it as a volunteer sort of thing. We still primarily produce the site. I'm still the only full-time editor. There is no time when I am not the editor on duty, 24, 7, 365. So you might get leads from people in the community. Oh, absolutely. follow up on it. That's the fun part of it is that, and we call it community collaborative news because we've cultivated to the point where we say, you know, let us know what you see, what you hear, if there's something to check out, if you saw, you know, that was one of the things we were doing while on the way here. Somebody said they had uh, seen a, seen a sign on a window somewhere. And so we pull over, run up, check out the sign. If it says something interesting, take a picture then, and then. You know, so we've taken their lead and then we riff on it by going and, you know, contacting public relations persons or going into the building. Or in many cases, I do a lot of work with with public records, the kind of public records I'm sure as a, you know, as a realtor, you're familiar with sure. property records, building permit records and things. Right. And, and that's where you find out. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot of that. And the good thing about that is it can be done 24 seven. So I can do that at two o'clock in the morning. Sure. What was the big impetus, I guess, for, you know, taking that leap from, you know, a secure job to what we're going to, you know try our hand at entrepreneurship and, and turn this blog into a full-time gig? Well, uh, there were two parts to it. One is that it was clear that there was that there was a need. There was a lot that was going not covered around here. But the other part of it, personally and, and selfishly, is that um, TV wasn't working so well for me anymore because the kind of things that, that we were expected to do as a manager, I had to tell people to, you know, go knock on the doors of grieving families and things like that that I just... Sure. didn't didn't think was right I didn't you know a lot of what I had to tell people to do was stuff that that didn't ethically sit with me so the chance at possibly creating something where you know we make the rules we can behave with you know with with stronger ethics and, and more respect for people um, was really appealing and there was always the chance at the time um, that it's like okay if this doesn't work out guess I can go back um, I, I don't know that I could anymore but yeah. at the time at least okay what, what do you love most about about your business about running the Westside blog the part I think it is hearing hearing from people, um, both when we can reassure people that something isn't isn't what they're afraid of. People will want to know what are all the sirens, what's the helicopter doing overhead, and I can tell them it's oh hey they're just getting a picture of the the backup of the ferry line or yeah there was a big response for a possible house fire but it turned out not to be a bad fire and they're all being canceled. So there's there's some reassurance. There's also um, the satisfaction often of finding out something that, that people didn't know about and needed to know about. We had a, a big story a couple of years back where 
Um, there was a plan that the city parks department had been working on for a year without telling the public to possibly put a commercial zip lining enterprise um, in Lincoln Park in an area where people ex enjoy nature, wildlife, trees, birds, etc. And little hints of it came to the attention of a, of a community volunteer group and they asked us if we'd heard anything about it and I'm, my eyes, you know, my eyebrows rose out of my face and I started researching it. And we broke the story and we followed up on the story. A community group that, was, that covers that area picked up on it, called a community meeting, and there were 200 people that were shouting down the city parks department, which two days later dropped the plan. Yeah. Um, so it th things like that, and that's the best of journalism, is when you can bring something to light that might not be right. Sure, yeah, we can bring it to light and then affect some change for what the community actually wants. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, I mean, obviously you both have uh, journalistic, you know, journalism backgrounds. Um, a blog's a little different, you know, media format. Was there anything really surprising or unexpected uh, when you first started uh, full-time, you know, doing the West Hill blog? Um, well, one of the, the interesting complications when we first started was um, that we had been, as before we went professional, we'd been anonymous. Um, partly because I was working in the media community, partly because we had a real strong feeling about internet privacy. Um, and then when we decided we were going to make this a business, obviously there was no question. Sure. Um, the more surprising than um, one thing is that if we had known that we were going to turn out this way, I wouldn't have used the word blog because once in a while it still gets in the way if we have to deal with people who, who aren't in West Seattle and so they're not necessarily familiar with what we do and that's more these days more people out of state than just out of the area. Sure. Um, I have to explain. We're not a blog. Blog is just the publishing format, etc. But it's been so long now that we we can't really change. There's you know there in the search engines, in sure. interviews we've done over the years, and everything. If we just change the name, um, it just wouldn't work out. So we have to we have to work with that. And it's funny to to think that it's difficult because, for example, newspapers have had weird names over the years. You know, sure. the the Times, Picayune, Bulletin, you know, sure. Shoebell, Moosehorn, whatever. Yeah. Um, and yet still we're we're sort of stuck with that and I still have to explain it. Sure. Well, it's kind of funny because I mean, there's, there's kind of, I guess the, the stereotype that blogs is kind of, you know, someone in their basement, you know, doing whatever. But then you have like the Seattle PI, which is essentially a glorified blog now because they don't have a print format anymore, yeah. but you know, they've kind of had that name, that reputation, their newspaper, so they don't have to really deal with that. But it's, yeah, it's kind of funny. Exactly. Yeah. And they're, they're still owned by a large company, um, but they still, you know, they have very few people, but they still have the benefit of that. And we're on the, on the other side around, we've only been around for 10 years. So while we do a heavy amount of news coverage, we don't have the benefit of a long history that, you know, might sure. have paved the way. Sure. Now, when you, uh, when you guys started doing this, I mean, was there any other neighborhood blogs or are you guys kind of blazing a trail when, when you know, as far as that goes? Elsewhere in the country, there were a few pioneering operations, but the interesting thing, the kind of the parallel path that, um, that has happened around here is um, us and um, CapitolHillSeattle.com, which also started around 2005 as sort of a personal project by a young man that has a, uh, I call him young man because he's younger than I am anyway, um, has, a, uh, has a journalism background and a tech background. And then about the same time as us in 2007, he turned it professional and he is still going strong after 10 years. Um, there have been some other people along the way, starting there in the early 00s, that have tried it and their sites either, they either scrap the sites altogether or they've kind of pulled back to where they're sort of just glorified event calendars, which is sure. kind of sad, but it, it really is you know, a, a tough thing. And if you don't figure out how to run it as a business, then there's really no chance that you can go on forever um, as a sideline. Sure. Interesting. Um, 
So, I mean, it's obviously a business, you know, you're able to make money with advertising and, you know, sponsorships and whatnot. Um, so, I mean, is your day-to-day any different than, you know, a normal entrepreneur? I mean, how, how do you guys usually start your day? Is it- yeah, the, uh, it's, it's good to be able to work out of the house, which is great because it's just, you know, steps from, uh, from waking up to, uh, to going and sitting down at the uh, computer or even better, checking the site on the phone without even waking up, you know, roll over for another 20 minutes, you know, approve a few comments. Um, and I think it's really a whole lot like other entrepreneurs is it's something that you wind up winding work and life together. People yeah. say that to us, say, how can you do this 24-7? It's, well, the cool thing is we can go out to lunch and you know we've got the laptop along, we've got the phone along. I can update the site on the phone, and then that's you know so we take a little break there. But then we go to the community meetings from seven to nine o'clock, and and so forth. And it's you know we're on call in the middle of the night. We at, we encourage people to text us or call if something happens. They hear the sirens, they don't see anything on the site, and they do. And so once in a while, that something will happen at four o'clock in the morning, and we'll get up and go out and and cover it. And um, that's just a commitment we made. A lot of people who do this don't do it twenty four seven. They just say well. We'll, we'll follow up on the breaking news later in the day, but um, once you have people who are wanting to know what all the sirens are at 4 a.m., it's kind of hard not to find out at 4 a.m. Sure, especially if that's what you're known for, like, you know. Yeah. You hear a helicopter going overhead five minutes later, you know there's going to be something on, on the blog. Yeah, that, that made a really big difference. I don't know if we would have been so successful if we weren't able to, you know, to answer those questions. Because otherwise, people can get some of that information themselves. You can get a flight tracker. You can click on the little helicopter and sort of try to deduce what it is. But putting together the various information sources, also having the background where I worked in local news for a scabillion years, yeah. um, that, that is still kind of a unique skill set. Sure. What, uh, I mean, with having that skill set, I mean, what would you say is your uh, greatest strength as it pertains to what, what you do? I'm, it's a strength and both an importance that, that we're really, really honest to a fault to where we really are dedicated to, to being truthful, to being open, to either explaining how we came across a bit of information, to saying, you know, we're not going to do that and here's why, to really simple things like, you know, if we go cover a restaurant opening, we don't eat anything because, you know, that would be like accepting a gift and there's ethical, you know, rules that, um, but, but wanting to, uh, accuracy has been one of our great strengths because I just, I really know how to source things and I won't publish something that's a rumor, something that is maybe this is true. There's just, there's no, there's no room for that. And that's why, especially in this, this age when trust is all the more important, um, we're lucky to, to have built that. Uh, what would you say that you're passionate about? Um, passionate about, um, hmm, I think passionate about the, uh, you know, being able to, to help the community. Um, helpfulness is something that I've always wanted to do. It goes back to, I was, um, a a radio disc jockey in a time, uh, 35 years ago when people were still able to take requests and play what people called in about. And it was great to be able to fulfill someone's request. They called up, they wanted to hear a particular st- you know, song, I could go dig it out of a stack of vinyl records, find it, and actually put it on the air. And it's the same thing here is that like yesterday, somebody wanted to know what was being done about a, a pothole on 35th Southwest, and a couple of other people had emailed the week before and said, 
um, what in the world is going on with 35th? The pavement is awful in this one stretch. And so I said, you know what? I'm working on a long range story about that. Then yesterday, this pothole meant that we had to accelerate that a bit. So I was able to find out information about the long range paving plan. What's our city council person doing to try to pressure to make things happen sooner? And something simple as what's happening with the, you know, the hole in particular at this spot. Um, and it's all a matter of sort of answering people's requests. It doesn't mean that we answer everything that comes along because once in a while there's something that's just silly or it's out of the area or something, but we do the best we can. Sure. Yeah, it seems like 35th is just disintegrating. <laughs> uh, and, and Delridge and, yeah. uh, and Roxbury and, and, you know, so what's the, what's the city going to do? Right. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I mean, in, in, in regard to kind of the community aspect of it, being able to, you know, answer people's questions and stuff, what, you know, what sort of things do you guys do, I guess, are involved with, you know, with, obviously there's, uh, West Hill blog sponsors and you know, businesses that, that support you guys. And uh, you guys are you know, the, the West Hill Summerfest and I'm sure other, other things. You know, what, what are you guys gonna do on a regular rhythm to uh, interact with and uh, support, you know, engage with the community? Well, one of the things that we do that no one else does is cover community meetings that happen, and those a lot of them are the regular community councils. West Seattle has more than a half dozen of them, and we make it to, we, we seldom miss them. Um, either I or Patrick will go and we'll write a report on that. And those are places where there are community members who are you know deeply involved in things that are going on. So we know them from there, and that leads to other information. Then in the, in the vein of Summerfest and whatnot, one thing that we sponsor every year, which is West Seattle Community Garage Sale Day, which is the second Saturday in May. We didn't start it, but we picked it up after it was three years old and its original sponsors um, couldn't put it on anymore. So every year um, we coordinate that, we take signups, we make the map, and that becomes a day where thousands of people are selling things, running around town. It's, it's awesome. We've had more than 300 sales the past two years. Um, it's, it's, yeah, it's really, it's really interesting. Um, and then when spring and summer happen, we get involved with most of the big events, um, often as sponsors, um, like so many local businesses do. You know, from the, the you, when you see the poster or the T-shirt for something, and there's all these lines of businesses, and we, you know, both financially support, promotionally support, um, and, uh, and and in other ways. And so, in some of those, we wind up on scene. The Morgan Junction Community Festival, Delridge Day, Summerfest has been a whole different story all its own because. Um, about eight years ago, nine years ago, we wound up um, being part of the information booth with the West Seattle uh, Junction Association and the West Seattle Chamber of Commerce. And so that's where we wind up headquartered every year, and it's, it's part where people can come up and ask us questions. But the most important thing is for us to be able to be immersed in festival information and be able to point people there because the Junction Association doesn't have a whole army of volunteers or staffers to do that. So it wound up as kind of a synergistic thing. So every year we get to be right in the middle and we do all our live reporting from there. You know, okay, okay it's day one, here's what's happening. Okay. And it's a blast. Same thing with and the car show um, in the summertime. Um, we sponsor the West Seattle 5K, which is a benefit for West Seattle High School across the street from you. That's yep. coming up in, in less than two months now. Um, and it's, it's great because of the nature, the way that the community works in spring and summertime where everybody has to get out. So at all of these things, you get to see so many people, um, especially Summerfest. Sometimes it's like the great reunion. It's people we only see annually because they come down to the booth in Summerfest and yep. say hi. Yep. What have you found to be the most challenging aspect of owning and running the West Seattle Blog? The, um, the, the, the time commitment, 
because we decided to do it 24-7, 365. There are some people who do this sort of thing in other cities in the country, and they shut down at 5 o'clock on Friday unless there's a breaking story over the weekend, and they ratchet up again at 8 a.m. Monday. And that's the way they decided to do it, but we decided to do this, and we still haven't really found a way to, you know, to, to, have, to have some backup. We did once... Um, have a take a vacation where we couldn't be in touch continuously, sure. but but since then we've we found ways where we can you know go out of town and it just comes with us and as long as we have somebody here to photograph or to go to a breaking news scene, um, and the other the other real challenging thing for anybody who has a a business is to you know to look into the future and see okay well where is this going sure. and you know what's going to happen and will it be something that you know we run for 15 years and then it you know doesn't exist anymore or will we find someone that would that would take it over you know luckily that's not something that's you know staring us right in the face yeah. but anybody who runs a business you know has to at least know that that's way out there on the the horizon sure. somewhere sure. can you give us a glimpse into what you foresee the future holding for for you guys and the business. Well, for the for the you know not so short term, you know we still have some a fair amount of good years in us. So I wouldn't want to s- stop doing this because a it's it's the best job I've ever had, and and b um, it's still something that needs to be done even at a time where there's so much information out there. It's not information that's processable to people to necessarily be able to make sense of what's going on in their community. So there's still there's still a value in that. Um, I would, you know, like to be able to, um, you know, we're always kind of looking out for hard news journalists or, or people that, um, you know, that, that have been in the business, you know, to bring somebody into the fold who, you know, might, you know, want to take it into the future. But um, for now, what we're doing is what we've been doing for some years, which is, you know, reporting the news as it happens. Um, we overhauled the site technically about a year ago. There's still some some tweaks that, that need to be done. Um, so... Um, you know, things like that, which it's sometimes, as you know, as an entrepreneur, you know, you kind of have to keep just the day to day ahead of you. It's like, what am I going to do today to get to tomorrow? Yep. And then how do I think about next week and maybe next month? And right. Yeah. You got to figure out the long term stuff while you're keeping the business going day to day. It's yeah. very challenging. Uh, on, on the technical side, what is the, the website Word, WordPress based or? Absolutely. We've been WordPress since the start. And the funny part was that we chose and again keep in mind that i started this as a personal thing and then it just sort of evolved rather than making a clean break and saying okay now we're launching this nothing so what we evolved to what we had until a year ago was a wordpress theme that somebody created in like 2004. it was a really simple basic little theme there wasn't much that could be done with it it was kind of cutesy um, and then when we overhauled a year ago, we had to because that old theme got stuck at a version of WordPress that was more than three years old. It could not go forward. Yeah. Um, and so we had to have the theme changed and make sure that all of our archives we've published over the years, 44,000 stories, 350,000 comments, some five-digit number of forum posts. And so we had this humongous database, and it all had to go forward. There was no question of, of just, you know, of throwing anything away because right. this is 10 years of West Seattle history. Um, and so we, we, you know, we got that, and we, you know, added a few features. And as you know, if you, you know, run on WordPress, it you know as it gets up to up to speed that there's more things that it makes it possible to and so now it works a little bit better but um it it was it was a a big project and it's still not over yet because there's still some things that need to be improved i I think i think it works pretty good you know it's optimized for mobile which is very big these days so how many how many people do you actually have working at the west sale blog is it just you and patrick as far as you know 
paid and you guys do everything? We're the only full-time people. We have a half-time person who works with um, our calendar and also to do some other research. We're um, in the process of someone that's done that role for a long time is leaving and we're training somebody new now. Um, And that's the person that, for example, makes the phone calls before Christmas to find out which restaurants are going to be open on Christmas, Christmas Eve, New Year's, New Year's Eve. A surprisingly popular feature. and uh, other research points like that because there's a lot of things that just require either phone calls or visits and and, and, and relentless things that somehow it would fill an entire day without any actual writing involved. Right. So we have that, that person's a, a halftime person. And then we have about um, four people currently who are various freelancers who might do a story here and a story there if I come up with something I need to assign somebody to. Also um, some photography help. Uh, there's a gentleman named uh, Christopher Buffoli who has been a photographer with us um, on a freelance basis for almost the entire 10 years. Yeah. He just kind of happened in as a contributor. Um, and, uh, and, and in that time, it's been really interesting because he's become an internationally known art photographer. He photographs them. Um, he, makes, he makes these art creations called Big Appetites, which are these tiny figures and big food in, in sort of whimsical scenes. Okay. And it's been great to, to follow his success. But he'll still, he'll see something on the 911 log that whether we are on or honored, and he'll, he'll run off to it and he'll you know, contact us. And he's a, he's a great photojournalist right. and get some information and pictures. And, and then we have coverage. He some, seems to have radar for times when it's something that we can't get to easily. Yeah. Or also he's kind of headquartered on this half of West Seattle. We are down near Lincoln Park. And so if something happens on Alki and it's breaking news, it, takes forever sometimes to get up here sure. need that hovercraft sure well, it's uh it's great that you have that is that is that primarily how you're able to you know start taking vacations and being able to like not have to physically be here 24 7 to have yeah to have a, a backup like um like christopher and um and a couple of other people yeah. um just because even though there's so much information you can gather even without you know getting somebody to the scene um sometimes you can't there was a, a time we were out visiting our son in boston last um last december there was an, an awful crash not far from where we are and while we called the police, we called the fire, we were listening to an online scanner from a coffee shop in Boston as soon as we got a, a text about it. Um, we still, there was a bit of information we couldn't get. Christopher finally was able to get to the scene after a while, and he was able to, to get that one detail. Um, sure. and that was really important. Sure. Do uh, they still use, like, press passes, and like, you know, like... That, that sort of thing like you see in the movies? Yes, actually. we That was one of the first things we did when we went full-time back at the end of uh, 2007 is we spoke to the Seattle Police Department, which is really the only credentialing agency around here, okay. and we got press badges, which we still use to this day. I don't even know if they still issue them anymore, but when you go to, to certain things, um, to be able to, to show that just so that you know, you're know you legit. Otherwise, you know we've got business cards. And, sure. But if people don't know you, um, it's, it's tough to try to explain because these days, anybody looks like they just walk up to something, they've got sure, their camera sort of phone. And, whatever, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Sure, yeah. It's, uh, that advice would definitely help prepare you for the difference between working in a nine-to-five and going into entrepreneurship as well. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's any, for anybody that, that owns a business because yeah, it's your it business and, um, yeah. and, and you're accountable for it. Yeah. Uh, what, what is a personal habit that you say contributes to your success? Uh, the um, personal ethics, um, honesty. Um, my mommy told me, you know, just basically, you know, don't ever lie, and, and somehow that just got really instilled in me to where I just I'm, I'm like, you know, incapable of being, you know, dishonest, dissembling, anything like that. Um, and and in this particular business, it really helps because if you feel that way, then it shows in your work, and then you can actually, you know, be, be trustworthy and be genuinely trustworthy. Um, and then you know, there's there's nothing behind you that's gonna, you know, bite you because you accidentally told somebody something that wasn't true. Sure. 
Sure, and I'd imagine, uh, especially in this day and age, in the profession you're in, that's especially valuable when, you know, the, the days of, you know, clickbait and, you know, false news and, you know, misleading whatever, like... We're really glad not, not to um, not to engage in that, especially in, in clickbait. Um, yeah. It's we, Patrick and I were having a conversation about that earlier today because if you work for a large corporation still, which all the TV stations here are, and yeah. I've worked for two TV stations in, in Seattle, um, you have metrics that you have to live up to. There's expectations, and now with with you know online metrics, which weren't so big when I got out ten years ago, they're all just sitting around all the time saying, "Okay, well, here's how many people clicked on this, and how many people went to this Facebook post, and how much this." And then that governs what you're able to do. And they say, "No, we don't do stories on that because nobody clicked." Sure. And that's you know it's a problem that TV used to have with overnight ratings and things. Obviously, like anybody else with a website, we have access to metrics, but we don't go drilling down that way to say oh my gosh, we shouldn't cover Fauntleroy anymore because no one cares about Fauntleroy. We just sort of look to make sure that, you know, people are still tuning to the website and, and, and they do, you know, if there's a day where there's a, you know, there's a big story, then, you know, suddenly there's this huge spike and, right. and then, you know, to make sure that everything else at least is at a pretty decent dull roar the rest of the time. Sure. Do you, uh, do you have a specific internet resource or application that you can't live without, like uh, Evernote or something in the, the running of your business? Um, we're, we're, yeah, we're, we're, we are, um, we're kind of uh, Luddite in terms of uh, not using Slack or, or anything like that. There's since mostly the, most of the communication is between Patrick and me. That's more a matter of, you know, he's over in his home office in that corner of the house and I'm over in my corner sure. so we can like shout at each other. So, sure. so that's particularly handy. The things that I can't live without are more the, uh, the, the research devices that are out there, which we try to educate people about sometimes in stories, um, like the Seattle 911 uh, real-time log and um, King County Parcel Viewer to find information about properties. Yep. Um, I look up on the liquor licenses on the Washington State Liquor and Cannabis Board website um, every day because that's where you get first word of new restaurants, things oh, like okay. that. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah there's sense. a long list of that stuff. If I had to hand it all over to somebody someday, I'd just you know sure. take forever. Has that been uh, published in a, in a blog post on the website or just kind of something that's up, up in the noggin? Mostly, mostly there. Um, the pieces come out in context when they're relevant. Um, and that was also something I've always enjoyed, which is if there's a chance to have kind of a teaching moment and to say to people, you know, show your work. This is where we got that information. Sure. Or somebody actually wrote us the other day and said that they, are, they, they do some sort of, of food and they wanted to know how we found out about restaurant openings that were coming down the line because they wanted to hit these people up with a solicitation, but they always seem to get their one step behind. And so Patrick in fielding this inquiry asked me and said, so how, how do you come up with these things? And I said, yeah, it's really, it's really hard. And sometimes it's just like a piece of paper somebody put on a window and we go draw driving up and down the arterials as often as we can to, yeah. to see signs of what's happening. Uh, do you, uh, do you th listen to podcasts? Um, no, I don't have time to do much listening or watching of anything. It's an sure. all-consuming gig. Sure. Although, of course, I listened to, uh, to yours um, after you first mentioned it to us last summer. Okay. Is there any particular episode that uh, stuck out to you? Oh, I'm trying to think of who the person was at the uh, at the time. No, it was a, a local uh, it was a, a local business person, and it was you know you would do a pretty straightforward conversation about you know like the one we're having here about you know what's that person about and what's the, the business about. I think that's that's really helpful. There was a um, there was a, a guy who tried a West Seattle podcast for a while. We were on on his, but he um, he's moved on to Los Angeles and, and shut yeah. it down and. He also um, was was trying to tap into the community, and it's it's always surprising to me and how little of that is happening around here, which is why it's it's something that there's there's you know that if people knew more about it, that um, they would probably um, you know find out more about their their town just by listening. Sure, I mean I I just enjoy meeting the people and being able to provide you know like 
you go to a website, and maybe if the website's good, you kind of get a little feel for you know the business, but you rarely see the person and the story behind you know, why and how they started it. Yeah. Like, and yet we have so many new people coming in. So I've lately started to sort of write and say, if you're new, here's the backstory about this thing that otherwise I'm writing it as if everyone knows all about it sure. when, and trying not to assume that they do. Sure. Uh, if you could recommend just one book to our listeners, what would it be? <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, again, I, my reading tastes are, uh, are, are weird, but um, probably um, I would recommend the, uh, the, the grammar and punctuation book, Eats, Shoots, and Leaves. Okay. As a someone that's made my living in the the written word or in TV the the spoken word um, for so long, um, it's it's a it's a book that in a humorous way demonstrates what a difference proper punctuation and so okay. forth can make. There was even a lawsuit recently where somebody didn't use the Oxford comma, which you know is the last yep. in the series of commas, and they lost the lawsuit because it meant a whole different thing for their. Some people may not care that much, but it's funny, writing is an important part of everybody's job anymore, no matter what you do, even if you're not sure. a journalist or a novelist or whatever. Sure. So uh, I, I'm guessing that since you know you enjoy that book, I can guess your answer, but uh, double space or single space? Oh, single space. Okay, good. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, as we close up here, uh, can you share one part, uh, piece of parting guidance with the listeners? I think um, what I would advise or suggest or even request from people is um, is to consider, as their time allows, to get a little bit more involved with their community. There may be somebody who, who hears this who already is deeply involved. They're in the PTA, they're in a community group, et cetera. Um, but there's so much going on, and we, we publish as much as we can about everything, whether it's something as simple as a fundraising drive or a community meeting you could go to or a community cleanup. And it's amazing what just putting one hour into it can do. And I know what it's like to, to not be ready for that because before Patrick and I did this, we weren't involved. We'd been in West Seattle for 15 years, and we didn't know much about what was happening in the community. We were raising a young child, and we were too busy, and I had a 12-hour-a-day job downtown, blah, yeah. blah, blah. But um, I look at it now and I think, you know, if, if people just realize that maybe they, they could spare that hour, they could spare that two, that, that two hours, or they could contribute to an online crowdfunding that's helping a classroom get this thing that they need that's not yeah. being funded by the government, um, it's amazing what little bits of difference do. And that's what I like the most. It's, it's great, I mentioned as we started this, that you know reassuring people, oh my God, it's not a big fire, is great, but also, publicizing a fundraising drive and hearing that people really did respond and that it made a difference in somebody's life, a classroom full of kids or something. It's like, yay. Sure. Uh, that's great. Uh, off the top of your head, do you have any recommendations for you know, a few different ways people could, could get involved? Um, well, obviously, my biggest recommendation is to you know read our site as often as you can because um, we make a big deal out of spotlighting things, both in standalone stories and also um, our calendar will mention that. Um, one of the um, find out who your community council is and if they have regular meetings and if there's one you might just go and sit in on or send somebody from your neighborhood um, it's really really um, amazingly simple there's not really a general search way to do that but you know if you go to Google and put in your you know community name know what your neighborhood is called are you in North Delridge are you in Fauntleroy are you in Highland Park great um, and also if people are interested in knowing a little bit more about some of those non local nonprofits uh, all my podcast guests in December were nonprofits Chris with the West Seattle helpline Nancy with Westside baby um, some great local organizations that rely heavily on volunteer um, and donations those are two places that are that are absolutely great to start we recommend those to people all the time because they have so much of a community reach yep 
Thank you, Tracy, for your time. I appreciate you, you coming on here and hearing some of your uh, your backstory of how uh, you and, and Patrick took the brave leap into entrepreneurship. And uh, from from all accounts, it looks like you guys are doing very well and uh, succeeding and serving the community in a very tangible and appreciated manner. So thank you. Thanks for having us on. That wraps up this week's episode. Make sure to check out our guest website, pay them a visit, and otherwise support what they're doing. If you have questions, know someone who should be a guest here or has a story worth sharing, email me at christianharris at ctown.com. That's S-E-A hyphen town.com. I would also be honored if you could go to iTunes and leave us a review and a nice five-star rating. We work hard to bring on great guests and provide exceptional content. And getting a review from you is one way to help the podcast rank well on iTunes so others can find and enjoy the show as well. You can also find out more about me, how my real estate indie brokerage and our conventional approach can help you with your Seattle and Eastside real estate needs and other projects I'm working on by visiting ctown.com. That's S-E-A hyphen town.com. Thanks for listening. Today's intro and outro music is courtesy of the Fascination Movement. You can find their albums in the iTunes store. The Seatown podcast creator and host is Christian Harris. You can listen to more episodes and find all our show notes on our website at seatownpodcast.com. That's S-E-A hyphen townpodcast.com. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you in a week for our next episode. This has been a Seatown Media Production. <laughs>